Welcome to the Gold Standard here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall, and you can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. And I'm Adam Vingen at Adam Vingen. Please follow the company, of course, at 440 Sports on Twitter, at 440 Media on Instagram. Pay for good journalism. Go to theathletic.com. Give them a couple of bucks. You will get all of Adam's phenomenal scribings and musings. Uh, you, you get him talking plenty of, of places, but his writing is exceptional, so go pay for good journalism. And the NHL coverage on The Athletic, I'll just say, is phenomenal, probably second to none across the great United States. I don't know about Canada, Adam, but I think it's definitely the best U.S. coverage of hockey you're ever going to get anywhere as far as the written word goes. You guys got the best guys up there. So, um, all right. We've got a big show planned today, of course. Um, six, one, and one in their last eight games. UC Soros on an absolute tear. Is it sustainable? The star power, the most important and highest paid players on the team are producing. And is that sustainable? Tanner Jeannot, we'll get the voice out from you, Adam, uh, to, to, to mock those who mock the, dare I say, expansion draft decisions. <laughs> You thought it was gone. You never thought you were going to talk about the expansion draft ever again, but here it is. Uh, we've got some injuries, of course, some really critical ones to get to, and then we'll go around the NHL, dive into some analytics as well. Before we do any of that, however, Adam Bingen, the gold standard is brought to you by Jaspers, the owner of which agrees with me that Christmas music cannot <laughs> be played until Black Friday. If you have no clue what Adam is talking about, go back and listen to last week's episode and your wife and son. Uh, came on the pod during the uh, advertisement for Jaspers, and we had a discussion about when you should be playing Christmas music. You had a poll question up, I believe, on the socials, and I got within an hour of publishing the podcast, I got a text message from the owner of Jaspers saying, we start playing Christmas music on Black Friday, the day after Thanksgiving, which was your argument. Your wife disagrees. I, I would say jaspers agrees with you that doesn't mean you should disagree with your wife <laughs> that's not enough for me <laughs> i should note that today november 11th is bridget's birthday happy birthday mrs vingan happy birthday to bridget it's bridget's birthday i don't know if she's an avid listener of the pod or not but happy birthday she from me. she listens to make sure that i talk about her Happy birthday from me. Happy birthday from the gold standard from 440 sports and definitely happy birthday from Jaspers, which the parking is free and they play Christmas music at the appropriate time. I'll say it for you, Adam. I got no problem with that. All right, let's get into it here a little bit. Now, first and foremost, there's a game with St. Louis coming up on Thursday evening. Another game in the division on the road. Uh, this is coming out on Thursday morning. We're, we're, we're taping this on Thursday morning, so we'll give you a quick little um, you know, three, five minutes here on the game. If you're hearing this, if you listen to it day one, you'll always get a little preview of the game coming up that night. Otherwise, the rest of the show, of course, will be about the team broadly. And that's also what I love about this show is we get to take big chunks of the season and analyze it in sort of a more thoughtful way than sort of the day to day. But another road game in the division. They've won a couple of them already against Minnesota, against Dallas. Um, St. Louis is a first place team. You know, the, the Preds seem to be catching all these teams when they're playing at their best, either the best power play in the league or the first place team in this division. Um, anything, you know, outside of replacing Alex Carrier in the lineup, what, anything important to keep, keep an eye on in the St. Louis matchup on Thursday evening. It'll be nice to actually see them play the blues. I can't remember the last time they played St. Louis because of course, St. Louis was in the, was it the Pacific division last year? So uh, the predators have not seen the blues in, in quite some time, but off to a, 
very good start, eight, two and one on the season. Um, I always enjoy Blues Predators games, always a good rivalry game. Um, so you've got a team that's playing really well overall and a team that's coming in on, on quite a run, as you said, six, one and one in their past eight games. So the, um, was it the immovable, the unstoppable force versus the immovable <laughs> object as it, as it can, as close as it can be in the middle of November. I, I think you got uh, that right. I think you got that right. I think I got that right. Um, <laughs> I've watched the Andre, the giant Hulk Hogan WrestleMania fight enough to enough to, to get that right. Um, by the way, did uh, Stephen Godfrey uh, accept my my pro- my uh, promo battle at Jasper's? Well, you you obviously haven't listened because um, Aaron took the Aaron Dugan, the host of the Fringe Element podcast. Yes. Go check out the Fringe Element podcast, SEC football every single Wednesday on the 440 Sports Network. Um, Aaron took us down such a trashy, awful rabbit hole right out of the gate of the show in the advertisement. A, I, I it's the first time in over a year that I've wondered if Jaspers wants to work with us (laughs) and uh, number two Stephen Godfrey immediately vaulted the gold standard into the number one slot of ad reads we we jumped we jumped fringe element Adam this week because of how 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 awful and disgusting Aaron Dugan was on the podcast so everyone go go check that out uh that's quite a tease there uh perhaps that's why she doesn't have a cocktail oh by the way gold standard cocktail $3 $3 during Preds and Homes game beers. $3, not the cocktails, not $3, but beers are $3 during Preds home games at Jasper's and the Smash Burger, of course, named after the Preds as well. All of that, of course, courtesy of Jasper's. Um, all right, you mentioned, I, and I agree with you, I think it's been so much, I thought it was cool to get the divisional thing that we had last year in the moment. You know, I enjoyed it. Like, oh, this will be fun to see the same teams over and over again and build rivalries. And that was fun then. And I appreciated it then. I am very, I'm with you. I'm, it's just the, the pace and tempo of seeing all these different teams all the time is just so much more enjoyable. Um, it, it does mean that each individual game is such a unique little world all unto itself. You know, it's not like you can play the same team three times in five days and sort of have a feel for how it's going to go, which is how the playoffs work. Uh, but the Preds are, are excelling right now after a bad start, six, one and one. And We'll get to Soros, but outside of UC Soros, who is on an absolute tear right now, we'll get to his numbers in a second. Can you give me a through line? Can you give me a common thread, a thing that runs through the way the Nashville Predators have played over the last eight games that has allowed them to work their way up to fourth place in the standings? They're 7-5-1. and one. They're over 500. They're on pace for 94 points. Um, we'll get to all of the sustainability of this in a second, but can you give me a through line? For all this, this this play so far for the Preds in this stretch? Well, I think, and and you teased this at the beginning, but I, I do think the the main reason is that the players that the Predators need to be playing exceptionally well are doing that. Um, Roman Yossi, Matthew Shane, Ryan Johansson, UC Saros. Um, you know, the, the, the three highest paid players on the team. And and of course the most important position on the team, you know, those four players in particular are, are leading the charge and, you know, they, they are being supported by other players, uh, namely Tanner Janot, who had another great game on, um, 
on Wednesday against the Stars, I saw a great stat. Um, so Tanner now has 10 career goals and he scored them in 28 games. The only Predators rookie to reach 10 goals in a shorter amount of games was Alexander Radulov. Um, so that should put into perspective how uh, how good Tanner has been in a, in a short period of time since debuting in the NHL. But And, and the number for Radulov is, <clears throat> is 17 games? I think it was 10 goals in 18 games 18 for Radulov. Which and is... And in 28 for Tanner. Think about that. Tanner's, you know, off the charts good at 28 games to get to 10 goals. And, and Radulov did it 10 games faster. <laughs> like, that's yeah. how that's how talented that that Russian knucklehead was when he came over here and started playing for the Preds. Just want to so point I'm looking, that out. So, I, you know, since we last recorded, I, I, uh, I re-upped with my friends at SportLogic who... Ooh, nerd alert? Has, yes, for the past couple of right. years have, you know, provided excellent, uh, you know, you know, excellent analytics uh, for me and others. But I, I've really enjoyed working with them. I, I really like the way that they do things. So I'm looking at UC Soros right now. And there, there's something that pops off the page. So UC Soros has played 11 games. Of those 11 games, he has five quality starts. And according to Sport Logic, and let's see if I can remember this correctly, a quality start is when a goaltender saves at least one goal above expected in a game. Um, so. So five times out of 11 starts, UC Soros has played well enough that he has saved the Predators a goal or more uh, based on uh, the expected goals of the other team. And he also has three steals um, this season. And according to Sport Logic, a steal is when a goaltender saves enough goals above expected that to make the difference in the game. And the example they gave me is let's say UC Soros, let's say the Predators win one nothing and UC Soros saves 2.5 goals above expected. Right, right. That, that makes the difference in the game. So yep. he stole that game. Yep. So that in 11 games, he has five quality starts and three steals. So he's got the Predator- six, six wins. So th- half of his wins have been stolen. Is what half of his wins have been stolen. And I believe the three games that qualified because I asked were the game against Los Angeles, the game against Calgary, and I believe the game against Vancouver. Those were the three games that qualified as steals uh, for UC Soros. And I have it up right now. I'm going to find it. Yes. Los Angeles on the October 19th, Calgary on November 2nd and Vancouver on November 5th. So According to Sport Logic, UC Soros stole those three games for the Predators, based on his based on his play. That reminds um, me, of my one of my favorite lines ever from Pete Weber. I believe it was after it might have been Game One, maybe it was Game Two, but I think it was Game One against Chicago, the the, the series that broke the Blackhawks organization, uh, along with a few other terrible decisions. Um, I believe I believe it was Pete Weber who, at the very end of the game, was like, "And Pecorine is wanted for felony in Cook County, or something like that," along those lines. Um, and, and that's the uh, old broadcaster way of, of uh, analyzing your, your your nerd alert there, your data uh, for UC Soros. I, listen, he has been the driving force. I was I, I wanted to see if you had anything outside, but I mean, I guess the star power is is a big one contributing. But Soros, and I'll, I'll give you some regular numbers here. Can I do that? Not non sure. non sport logic numbers. 
in his last last six games, he's 5-0-1, a 943 save percentage and a 1.8 goals against. To your point about the goals saved above uh, expected sort of, he's up now to a 3.97. I think the last time we talked about this, he was about half of that. So he has doubled his his uh, goals saved above average. He's up to about four now, which is now into the top 10 in the NHL. Again, this is the, st- the stat that he led the league in last year um, at like 20 something. So Sor- Soros is the driving force for all of this. And he- here's what I would say. He, he won on, th- on Wednesday night with a 926 save percentage and two goals allowed. Both of those numbers were actually worse than the numbers I just read off, mm-hmm. meaning, meaning his stretch in a win on the road against a divisional opponent, Dallas, who was sort of desperate, his numbers were really good and they weren't as good as he's been. So I don't think the stretch he's on right now is sustainable. I don't think you, it's, it's not possible to, to go 1.8 and, and 943. That's not sustainable. But if you look That's at his similar goal, to what he did in 20 something games in the second half of last season, though, I, I agree that he could do it for chunks, but if you look at his season numbers, and you look at you know a nine twenty eight and a and a two point two or whatever let's call it, that is totally doable for UC Soros. So I don't think this current stretch is sustainable for fifty five or sixty starts. But I don't. I think he can. I think he is showing us and has shown us. And I know I was on this this bandwagon way before you were. I feel like. Correct me if I'm wrong. I, I have long believed that UC Soros could be this goaltender. This this team's goaltender big picture longer than just a year or two to be a stopgap. And I did, I did argue last year at the beginning of the season that he just needed to be the goalie of the immediate future, not of the long-term future. So yeah, perhaps, perhaps I, you know, I, perhaps I can change my tune. Um, But he's, he's been really good. And, and, you know, to, to switch over to the skaters, you know, we we're, we want to talk about the play of Roman Yossi, Matthew Shane, and Ryan Johansson. So Matthew Shane scored again last night. I believe he has already tied his goal scoring output from all of last season um, with six goals. Um, Ryan Johansson also, um, I don't know how many goals Ryan scored no, last Ryan, year. Ryan's got five. I think he has matched his total from last season. Duchesne has six, I believe now. And no, Duchesne has six and Johansson has five. I believe Duchesne only scored six goals yes. all of last season. Johansson scored seven, I believe, last season. Okay, so he's not quite the internet. There. I think the internet exists, though, so we could I know, but so I'm looking at some of the other fancier numbers and to put, you know, to put things into perspective. So, so Roman Yossi, as you might imagine, leads the Predators in shot attempts. He has 96 shot attempts this season. That's fourth most in the NHL. According to Sport Logic, the three players ahead of him, Nikolai Ehlers of Winnipeg, Alex Ovechkin, of course, of Washington, and William Nylander of Toronto. So Yossi leads defensemen in the league in shot attempts. Uh, fifth on the list is Oliver Ekman Larson, the Vancouver defenseman. He has 92 shot attempts. Um, Matt Duchesne leads the Predators by a wide margin in slot shots on net. Of course, that is where a lot of goals are scored. He has 28 Ellie Tolvanen is second on the team with 17. Duchesne is fifth in the NHL in slot shots behind William Nylander with 38, Adam Henrique of Anaheim with 34, John Tavares and Austin Matthews of Toronto with 33 and 32 respectively, and then Duchesne at 28. So Duchesne is averaging more than two slot shots per game. 
Um, I don't know how that compares to last year, but you know, I think the eye test, uh, as Matt Duchesne said the other day, he believes the eye test is still undefeated. He relies <laughs> more on the eye test than the numbers, but the numbers look really, really good. Um, I'm looking at inner slot shots. So right in front of the crease, Tanner Janot leads the team with 11, followed by Duchesne with nine, Granlin with eight, Cousins with eight, and Tolvanen with six. Um, you know, so when you want it, when you're looking at whether or not Duchesne's, if you're looking like specifically Duchesne, if you're looking at whether or not it's sustainable, um, you know, he has six goals on 4.54 expected goals. So he is, he is, you know, out, yeah. he is performing above, you know, uh, he is punching above his weight a little bit, but what often happens is, you know, players with, with shooting talent often, uh, often outperform their expected goals just because they're good shooters. And um, and the shooting talent, I think, has been... and, and Think about the goal he scored last night. I, I, that's what I was going to say. Like, he, he is playing... There is a... I, I don't know. And this is what I find fascinating. Because it's not like at his age, at 29 or 31 years old or whatever, that all I of a sudden... he's 30. He's 31. I, I, okay, I would not... Like, th- there's no way that John Hines, in the or any coach, really, or any player, like, did anything like tactical to change his sort of it's like a quarterback with their arm slot or a pitcher with their arm motion or like a, a jump shooter with like a, a specific, you know, arm angle. There, there's nothing. I don't think you go to a 31 year old veteran hockey player who has been scoring goals his entire life and, and tweak something that all of a sudden works. So it has to be more philosophical. It has to be more, um, you know, buy-in and, and you know, whatever. But whatever it is that John Hines and Matt Duchesne have come to some agreement on, it is leading to his confidence. He is shooting the puck with ridiculous confidence. And that is, it just looks different. It comes off the stick different. And again, if that's him changing his, his elbow angle or something and they actually tweak something in the offseason, I don't know if that's a thing that happens in hockey, but it feels like it's almost entirely mental with Matt Duchesne. And some of the the, the analytics are sort of, you know, last year we talked about it, right? He was underperforming this year. He's overperforming and that can do that. Johansson, for example, at 35% shooting percentage, like that's not sustainable. That's going down. Johansson is not going to average, you know, like one shot a game and a goal every two games. Like that's not, that's not going to happen. He does need to shoot the puck more, but I am seeing more aggressiveness from Johansson shooting the puck. I see confidence from Matt Duchesne. That that's to me is the difference. No, that that certainly is true. And John Hines said the other day before the team left for Dallas that there is a lot more substance in Duchesne's game than there was last season. And I think that's obvious when you watch him, um, not just with the puck, but without the puck. You know, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, and I think it's only been uh, bolstered ever since that he's been more noticeable in 12 games than he's been or 13 games, whatever it is, uh, than he was at all last season. And I think, you know, to his point about the eye test, I mean, he's passing the eye test with flying colors, I think, and and the numbers are backing that up. So, um, you know, as I, as I said a couple of weeks ago with Duchesne and with any of these, you know, any of these players playing really well, um, I want to see what happens when they hit a slump. Because, you know, there there are probably 10 or 15. I remember talking to Mike Johnson, who's an uh, who's an analyst for NHL Network. I talked to him like a year and a half ago for a story. And he was saying that, like, 
you know, he said there are probably like 15 or 20 players in the league that are slump proof, that they're so consistent that very rarely are they going to go a handful of games without scoring. You know, you think of your Conor McDavid's and your Leon Dreisaitl's and, and the players like that, you know. So I don't think Duchesne is in that category. So there's going to come a time where the puck is not going to go in for Matt Duchesne. He might pile up the scoring chances, but the puck isn't going to go in. And what does he do then? What does what other ways can he make an impact? Because that was the problem last year was that he wasn't scoring and he wasn't really doing much else. Um, so if, you know, right now he's doing what he's supposed to be doing, which is putting the puck in the net and, and posting a lot of points, but there's going to come a time this season where he, that's not going to happen, where he's going to regress to the mean, as we like to say. And what else does he do? Is he still forechecking hard? Is he still playing responsible without the puck? Is he still winning puck battles? Is he still doing those things that help facilitate offense? And and that even if he's not the one producing the offense. So I, I re- I'm really impressed with Matt Duchesne. I, like I did a mailbag last weekend where somebody asked me if it was safe to say he's turned the corner. And I, and I think I'm pretty much there. But like, I, I need to see what happened. Like for me to fully know, yeah. I feel like I need to see him struggle just a little bit and see what happens when he does. Um, I think that's because, fair. I because when what? Because if he remains active and noticeable, even when he's not scoring at the clip he's scoring right now, then I think it's safe to say, you know, that Matthew Shane is the player that the Predators signed to a $56 million contract. And, and- I think what's interesting is that if we were going to talk about this team's expectations, and again, I, it's not like we're only four games in here. We're 13 games in, you know, we're, we're, we're talking about getting close to what, like a seventh, a sixth of the way through the season here. And that's a, that's a decent chunk of games to start analyzing pieces and say, is this sustainable? And we've talked about a few of these things. We don't think Ryan Johansson's shooting percentage is sustainable. Maybe Matt Duchesne comes down a tick, on sort of the analytics saying that he's maybe slightly overachieving. You and on the other side of the coin. Well, we'll get, we'll get there. Okay. <laughs> we'll get there. Uh, Cause I've got many questions about a lot of those players, <laughs> but, but I, I just think that the fastest way for fans, for media, for everyone in, in sort of the Preds universe to, to expand expectations and, and start to view this team differently was always going to be UC Soros, which we know. And I think we all kind of feel was replicable and again, while I don't think he can sustain 943 for uh, 60 games of starting, I think he certainly can sustain 928 or whatever. And, and I think he can be a guy that carries them and steals games and quality starts. The, the only other piece to that puzzle that was going to allow us to change expectations for this team was going to be if the highest paid players started playing and delivering production like they're the highest paid players. So I guess my, my question is, we've laid out some of the stats and some of the data here. To your point about turning the corner, and I know this is sort of a a cheeky question to some degree, but is it sustainable that Mikhail Granlin, Matt Duchesne, Ryan Johansson, Roman Yossi, these guys are all going to stay at this level of production, relatively speaking, for 82 games, and that a 7-5-1 clip, which is what they are right now at, at time of recording, is sustainable? That, that's my question is, are we allowed to change expectations or do we need to see 10 more games before we do that? That's a good question because, you know, 13 games is a, is a, is a decent sample. You know, I, I think 20 games to me is like the best, like the, 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 the smallest possible sample to get like a really good okay. look at how things are because it's a quarter of the season. 
um, basically. Yeah, I mean, look, look, like they're even with all of these players playing the way that they are, they're still seven, five, and one. Like it's probably better than we anticipated, especially when they got off to such a slow start. Um, but ultimately, you know, despite all of these players playing the way that they are, they're still a just slightly above NHL 500 team. You know, it's not like it's not like the, they're eight, two and one or 10, one and oh, or whatever. They're, they're seven, five and one. They're, they're sixth place in the Western Conference, which still would be way better than of, we thought. Way, way ahead like, of where we predict. Right. But like even with all of with, even with Matthew Shane playing like vintage Matthew Shane and Ryan Johansson scoring a lot, at, you know, at a, at a ridiculous clip that I agree is not sustainable. And me, Kyle Granlin putting up points and UC Saros playing really well and Tanner Janot breaking out. Like there, there are still, they're still sort of in the middle kind of. So, you know, I, you know, what is it going to take for them to, to, to push even higher? And is that possible? Like, like we'll talk, I know we're going to talk about this, but like when I was saying the other side of the coin about sustainability, I was, I just looked this up. Ellie Tolvanen is shooting 2.8%. That's not sustainable either. There's going to come a point where Ellie Tolvanen actually starts scoring. Yeah. And Luke Cunnan's at 6%. I, I'm, I'm going to ask you about all those guys. Yes. But like, you know, can those players like Tolvanen and Cunnan, can they, can they, you know, positively regress while the players that are playing well maintain that level? Like, or is it going to be like an ebb and flow where Tolvanen starts scoring and Johansson stops and Cunnan starts scoring and Joe and Duchesne stops. I, I like, think I, I, and we'll talk injuries and Tanner Janot specifically because I know you're working on some stuff with him uh, and some other stuff around the NHL sort of coming up after the break. But I, I do think that is the other question is, all right, let, let's assume that these stars, the guys that are paid to do what they're doing, let's say they come back 15%, right? Just just across, I'm, I'm using a vague general non-analytics, non-nerd statistic here. Just say everything comes back down about 10, 15%, right? They don't sustain their current levels, but they're pretty good. They're better than we expect. All you then need is for the same regression from the other guys we're talking about. And that is Ellie Tolvanen. That is Luke Cunning. Uh, Philip Tomasino will get to him because I think we're seeing a lot of growth out of him already. He's shooting 18% on the season, a couple, you know, three goals. Philip Forsberg is not in the lineup. So I, I think, you know, Nick Cousins now hurt. We'll get to that as well. But I, I think there is some expected growth from four or five different players. Dante Fabro could could get better, although although I think he's shown us some signs. Um, you know, Yakov Trenin could start producing a, a little bit higher. I, like, like there's enough guys to pick up the slack where the top could regress and still feel comfortable about where this team is going to be. I do not think that means they can go any higher than where they're currently situated. But again, here's the question: sixth place and third in the division, sixth in the Western Conference, is still way ahead of where we picked them. And would still be considered a that, that's a playoff season. So I don't think it takes a whole lot from those guys to sort of pick up the slack if if this is what we're going to see from the top guys. Right. I, I you know if the top players can maintain this as we've seen through the first thirteen games, some of the other players can struggle, and you can live with that. But I think for this team to exceed expectations, you know, they're going to need those those secondary scoring options to to find their game as well namely Ellie Tolvanen, Luke Cunning um I'm trying to think of who else Yakov Trenin 
I, I don't put like Tomasino. I think if you're going to, like, if we're going to start seeing flashes and see his game develop and you can start to see the hands are, are coming around on Tomasino. Like you're starting to see the yes. hands, you're starting to see the handsiness where he is more comfortable in these really tight windows of doing really delicate things. The way, you know, the, the way Johansson's hands work, right? Like mm-hmm. the way Johansson can just handle his way around certain situations and be creative with how he's moving the puck around. You're starting to see that from Tomasino. And that is, that, that goes back to let the kids play, right? <laughs> like, yes. Like that's what that goes back to. Um, so I listen, Tol- I will say this about Tolvanen and before, before we take a, a little break here, but I think Tolvanen is doing all the things, like kind of like Duchesne last year. I think he's doing all the things you want to see him do. Um, he's just not getting the same scoring chances and he's not converting, at least on those scoring chances. But like he's still playing physical hockey. He's playing 200 feet. He's like he had a huge important back check a couple of different times on, on Wednesday night in that win. Like he, he's, he's still showing me the, the overall growth that I want to see from him. Yeah. I mean, I think he's, he's been quiet and I do think that, um, you know, I, I agree. I feel like we've seen the things that we still need to see away from the puck from Tolvanen. You know, I don't know if he's taken as much of a step so far this season as you would have liked to have, you know, liked to see, but you know, of course, ultimately what it comes down to is, you know, Tolvanen needs to score, like not, not discounting the other things which are important, but he needs to score and uh, that hasn't happened yet. So, um, until we see that, you know, we're going to, we're going to view his season a lot differently than we, than we probably should. And, and, uh, your leading goal scorer for the national predators, Luke Cunnan also, uh, probably needs to to score a little. My bit. my predicted leading scorer <laughs> for the National Predators. I but, did say he was going to score at least twenty goals this year. That doesn't look so good. Six points out of Colton Sissons. You got three goals out of Tomasino. Tommy Novak with five assists, five five total points for him in eleven games. He's playing. He seems to be noticeable and making the right moves at the right times. Again, I don't expect him to be a big time point producer, but he seems to be in the right place at the right time for a guy who sort of just kind of came up and got thrust into the lineup when Cody glass wasn't ready. So I, I, there's plenty to look at these young players and say, all right, let's, let's see some more. Let's continue the growth. Let's continue the development. But if the stars are still producing at even, you know, 80% of what they're doing right now, I think this team can make the playoffs and I'm with you. I'm going to wait until I see 20, 25 games before I say anything like I expect this team to make the playoffs, but it's all been good so far for a lot of these positions, at least better than we, than we thought it was going to be. So uh, we've got some injuries. We'll get to a lot of injuries uh, for this team right now. Um, you're working on a piece for Tanner Janot, so we'll get into that uh, and some stuff around the NHL as well when we come back right here on the Gold Standard. The Gold Standard, Adam Vingen of The Athletic, Pay for Good Journalism, is brought to you by... Jaspers. Is it in you? <laughs> Hopefully it's it's darn good food, really good beverages. Um, Is that Gatorade? I don't I don't I don't know. Snap into a Jasper's. Snap snap in, snap into a Jasper's. <laughs> I I how long do you think you can milk the stealing other massive marketing companies tag? It is Gatorade, by the way. For for Jasper's, how long do you think you can do that? Keep that up. Well, there are a lot of ads. It's not sustainable like the way Ryan Johansson's shooting percentage is. I don't think. No. I think you're going to come back down to earth a bit, Adam. Uh, all right, go to Jasper's. So here's Jasper's, the reason. Jasper's, mm-mm, good. 
<laughs> Jasper's melts in your hand, melts in your mouth, not in your hand. Yeah, you got to get it right if you're going to say I know, it. I know. Um, all right, so go to Jasper's. The parking is free. They've got great happy hours for you Preds fans. So during home and road games, you can get $3 beers and $10 smash burger, which is a monstrosity. And uh, it's a fantastic happy hour deal. Parking is free. I think I mentioned that. Um, great sight lines, great place to watch the game. You got all kinds of bar games over there, shuffleboard, connect four, all kinds of board games. Uh, it's a really great place to hang out and watch the game. Great happy hour. But on top of all of that, because it is the next evolution of the sports bar, Adam Vingen, mm. they have some new menu items. They also have a holiday special for folks. You can buy, because listen, we know Jaspers is solving the par- parking epidemic. We know Jaspers is solving the happy hour epidemic. We know Jaspers is solving the bad bar food epidemic. These are epidemics in this country. The other one is potentially bad supply chain for Christmas gifts. And here's where Jaspers is helping that out. Go to Jaspers, buy a gift card, a $100 gift card. You might even get a discount depending on what day you go. <laughs> they have some flash sales where, they, where they'll discount those gift cards. A $100 gift card, you'll get $20 in return. Ooh. You'll get a $20 gift card for yourself. You might save 20% on the $100 gift card. And, and you solve your Christmas gift supply chain problem. Just like that. Because you've got a, a nice gift for a family member or a friend. And you got something for yourself out of the deal as well. So, so selfishly go to Jasper's and buy a Christmas gift for someone else. And then you get something. How about that? Whenever I'm buying Christmas gifts or holiday gifts for someone, my first thought is always, what's in it for me? Yeah, exactly. What am I, if I buy this for this person, what are they going to get me? Or can I get something out of this? It's like when, it's like the, it's like the old sitcom uh, trope where, the the bumbling <laughs> husband buys his the, the the wife that's out of his league a gift that he clearly wants that she's not going to want and then <laughs> he just gets it for himself because she doesn't want it um so you know but jasper's is for everybody so if you it's, can get if you can get a discounted jasper's by any means necessary you, <laughs> you, think, you know what's really funny is i i think my wife does that for me like she's the bumbling husband in this analogy, I think. <laughs> She'll buy. So what stuff. you're saying is, are you you're out of your wife's league? That's no, what you're saying no, on the record no, right now. One hundred percent, not what I am saying. It is the other way around. I just think she knows that, and so she takes advantage. So all of my Christmas gifts end up being used by her. She's like, "Oh, I mm-hmm. bought you this really awesome cordless vacuum." I'm like, "Thanks, honey. Appreciate that." <laughs> Meanwhile, I look in the closet and I ask her, "Why do we have six vacuums?" She's a vacuumaholic. It, ca- it gives her great joy to vacuum. I don't understand. Go to, Jas- <laughs> go to Jasper's. <laughs> um, uh, also, brand, brand new menu items. They've got the big cheese sticks uh, on the uh, shareables. I, God, I love cheese sticks. My kids love cheese sticks. I, if that makes me a child, I don't care. I think they're delicious. And they've got, literally, they're called the big cheese sticks. Um, they've added that to the shareables menu. And they've have an, they have an entire new lineup of flatbreads. They, they've got it's there's a barbecue flatbread there's a, a a a Mexican flatbread with roasted corn and you can add chorizo to it there's a veggie flatbread with all kinds of caramelized onions and stuff like it they have done they've reinvented the flatbread portion of their menu and it looks spectacular so they got new items they got free parking they got great drink specials and you can drink a gold standard cocktail named after this podcast when you, you can Jasper's. do all of those things at Jasper's and it's a great place to go. On Black Friday, the first day that they're going to play Christmas music, which is the correct decision, 
you're, you're out shopping. You're a little getting a little hungry because look, yeah, shopping yeah. on Black Friday is an experience, and it's not a. It's usually not a pleasurable experience. Um, so if you're going to do it, you should go to Jasper's and fuel up, and maybe get a little tipsy. Make sure you're not the one driving, of course. Yeah. Um, to to dull the pain of fighting through the department stores and malls and other things that other or, places. Or- or you can do what I would do, which is not do any shopping at all and just go drink at Jasper's. You you could also you could also do that, which is um, way, way more fun and less stressful, frankly. Uh, why, <laughs> why anyone would want to go shopping on Black Friday is beyond comprehension to me. I, I don't under, I don't under, I haven't done it in twenty years, Adam. I have not I have not left the, I'm not sure I've left the house <laughs> on Black Friday. We go to get a, I take that back. We go to get a Christmas tree first thing in the morning. At our local Christmas tree shop right down here. It's it's in your neighborhood too. Uh, I'll show you. And we come home with the girls with the Christmas tree on Black Friday. And that is the only time we leave the house. We do not go into a building on, on Black Friday. That's I'll go into Jasper's. That's it. I'll, I'll change my habits to go to Jasper's. How about that? Well, what's interesting is, you know, because of the advent of the internet, you know, no one really has to like wait outside on black Friday anymore. And I, I, I've never done that, nor did I ever make my parents do that where I really wanted something so badly that my parents or I would have to wait outside of a department store in the middle of the night. Why would you do that to somebody? I know, but, it, but it happens. No, I know. Why do people do that to, to, to people? I don't understand. I don't know. But I just remember one time I was visiting my aunt and uncle. We, ha- we would usually have Thanksgiving at their home on Long Island in New York. And I remember waking up one morning and, and, and pulling out their newspaper, Newsday, and there, like the front page story on in Newsday was like two people died after being trampled <laughs> outside of like a Queen's Toys R Us. What are we doing? Uh, because people want, I don't know what, like what was, and I know this is a long ad, go to Jasper's, but what was the last, like, I'm trying to think of what the last thing I wanted so badly that like I was willing to like wait on lo- wait in line or go online and like refresh in a waiting room. Like I really can't remember. Jason, Jason is built tickets every year. It's about the, it's literally uh, the only, it's the only thing I do. Um, that that's like that where I'm like, Oh, 10 AM on a Friday in April, refresh, 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 refresh. Four different for me, windows are open. That's about for it. me. Like it would always be like a video game system. Like, yeah, I get that. But like, even then it's like, I, like I have a, ps4 like i i I don't have a ps5 and i'm not sure i'll ever have you still do you still play it we got to get out of this ad (laughs) do you you still play it sometimes yeah i think it's go to jasper's where we can talk about our favorite video games i've got a ps3 you've got a ps4 we'll go to jasper's and we'll just drink on black friday and uh do it responsibly because their drink specials are great go to jasper's everybody All right, let's get into some NHL expansion draft talk here, Adam, because um, I know that's your, your favorite thing to do in the world. Uh, Tanner know, and he, here's what's really cool about this guy, and not just the way he plays the game, the way he approaches it all, his backstory, undrafted, uh, fighting. I think if you go back and listen to the Carl Taylor episode from the summer, I, I recommend it. I, I thought it was a hell of an interview. Um <laughs> And I think he talked a lot about all these guys, but he talked a lot about Tanner Janot and the, the process of developing him and the challenges they put in front of him and w- what he does sort of when he's presented with those things, which is essentially kick the door down. 
Um, and I just find it amazing that he goes from undrafted to this, this, this development story to playing on the first line after being protected in the expansion draft. And he is playing on the first line. And not only is he playing on the first line in place of the most talented forward in the history of the franchise, maybe Philip Forsberg, but he is producing, he scores a goal and creates a a fantastic, an unbelievable pass to Ryan Johansson. I, I don't know where what the limit is for this guy, Adam. I, he he physically he's got the size and the speed. He scores. He's got the hands. He does all the things you want out of a a John Hines coach player. I this it feels a little fairy taleish, but the guy every single time you put something in front of him, he he clears the hurdle, and he he delivers and he takes advantage of every opportunity ever given to him. And I, it's so much fun watching him. I don't what he's on the first line, Adam. <laughs> He's on the top line of the Predators, and he's producing in his first try. It's an amazing story. So as you teased, I'm working on a feature on Tanner Janot. My hope is that it comes out tomorrow, um, Friday. Um, And I'm sure as many Predators fans know, what the first thing you notice about Tanner Janot is the guy is, you know, solid as a rock. Um, He has, you know, his level of physical fitness is what has gotten him to uh, where he is. And you mentioned him being undrafted. Like he's been undrafted, like everywhere he's gone. So I'll, I'll, I'll tease a part of the story. So he was an undrafted, he was undrafted in junior hockey too. So in 2014, he was one of 67 players who attended uh, the Moose Jaw Warriors training camp. And he was, I don't know how many, I think maybe 20 players were invited. And he was one of the 20 players that was invited. Um, And, you know, on the first day of training camp, they do a fitness test. And the the, the head trainer, Brooke Kosolovsky, who's in charge of the testing, you know, would put all of the, the prospects through the paces and certain endurance and strength tests and whatnot. And he was going through the results of the test uh, in that during that 2014 camp. And there was just one name that kept appearing at the top, you know, the, and, and, and that was Tanner Janelle. Uh, and he became something of a fitness testing legend in Moose Jaw. Um, he, you know, he played four seasons with the Warriors before turning pro. You know, he signed his entry level contract with the Predators while he was still there. And then he went to Milwaukee. Um, in three of his four years with the Warriors, his second, third, and fourth seasons, he was the top performer in the training camp fitness test. So much so that after he turned pro, the Warriors named their preseason strength and conditioning award after Tanner Janot. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, it, this, this, I mean, it's, it's been his calling card. I mean, if you've, you know, he, he it was, I think it was after the Islanders game, uh, the last home game before this road trip. And he and Colton Sissons were talking to us, us, we reporters, us reporters, whatever. Um, and, you know, he's sitting at the table and, he, you know, he's just got his arms, re- you know, he's got his elbows rested on the table and his biceps are, are like, all fit are, are popping out of his shirt. Are, are you about to, are you about to use like weird football recruiting terms to describe another man's body? Like what? Like a, ta- a tapered torso, a, v- no, a V-shaped not, torso. No, I'm not doing that. But like, is, is he a flesh bomb? Is that what he is on the I, ice? I don't like the sound of that. Um, <laughs> sounds like something you would find on my search history of ten years ago. Wow. Um, but but uh, the the point being that he, he you know, he, he's just huge. 
the, you know, and, and that is, you know, and he, he was told at a young age, like, you know, you might not be the most skilled player, but you, if you want to, if you want to be memorable, be the most physically fit player at every camp, every team you play for. Because, you know, you may not be the most skilled, you may not score the most goals, but you will stick out because you are the most physically fit player on the team. And like, I just want like, so the trainer that I referenced, Brooke Kosolowski, sent me the fitness testing for Tanner Janot for his four years in Moose Jaw. And I just want to put this into perspective. So in his final season in 1718, they do a medicine ball toss. And according to the spreadsheet, Tanner's medicine ball toss topped out at 229.5 inches. I don't know how many feet that is. The average, the average for the team, I assume, was 148.7. His he said 229. He did 229 and it's inches. That's that's over 19 feet. That's almost 20 feet. And the average was 148.7, which is he like 12 feet. In his in his first training camp, the in 14, 2014, he did 200 sit-ups. And that's just and, and the way they do it is just you do the sit-ups until you can't do the sit-ups anymore. He did 200 sit-ups. The average, according to this spreadsheet, was 46. 46? Hang on. Professional athletes can only do 46. Well, they weren't professional athletes. These are like 15, 16, 17-year-olds. Even better. You don't have a beer gut. <laughs> you should be able to do more than 46 freaking. I'm 40, and I have a beer gut, and I think I could do 46 sit-ups in a row. Okay, well, can you do 200 sit-ups? Hell no. I'm no Well, Tanner Janot can. <laughs> But like that—that's the point. And the—and the thing is, like we—we've seen Tanner Janot, you know, knock the crap out of a lot of guys, you know. But you know, he, as you saw watching the game, he's—he's he's an incredibly, you know, he's—he's he's sneaky skilled. I yeah, mean, yeah. He, he, guys he's, like you know, he—he—he's very—he's—he's he's got that old school power forward, yes, type thing, you know, like. You know, John Hines was talking about that the other day. And the first player that popped into my head was Eric Lindros. And I'm not saying at all that Tanner Janot is going to be the next Eric Lindros. But like, you know, Lindros was a beefy guy who could beat the shit out of you, but he could also score in a lot of ways. Like he wasn't just scoring, you know, dirty net front rebounds. You know, he was scoring goals like Tanner scored against Tanner's the Stars. Not as, Tanner's not as big as he was, right? Like Lindros? Lindros, Lindros was, let me, I, I'll, let me look up Lindros's, uh, no, Lindros was a, I'll, I'll vamp here. You look him up. Cause I, Lindros was, Lindros like, was listed at a monster. six, four, two forty. Yeah. Tanner, Tanner is listed at, according to hockey reference, six, two, two Oh eight. Yeah. So it, no, it, not it, in the it, same. No, Lindros was a, a unicorn. He was that. a monster. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Here's what I'll say. We, first of all, we need a nickname. We need a phrase or a nickname for this guy. I don't know if it's like a Dikembe Mutombo, like Tanner says, Jano. I don't know. Like there need like only Tanner Jano knows. Like uh, there needs to be something. There we need we need something that's better than than anything I've just said uh, to to give Tanner a, a, a nickname here on the show. Uh, here, let me ask you a question about the process of the Preds acquiring him. It, just for fans that don't fully understand, when you are sort of like this unattached piece throughout the most the majority of your career like how do you go find a guy like that how, how like you just have a area scout that's at a moose jaw training camp and all of a sudden you're like this is a guy we need to get on a rookie contract like what is that how 
Yeah, I mean, I think like across, but you have those guys across the entire world finding these for every franchise. Yeah, they've got, you know, they've got, you know, teams have area scouts, so they've right. got, you know, they've got amateur scouts that you know focus on, you know, Eastern Canada and Western Canada and parts of the United States and Europe. Like they, you know, they there are there are scouts in charge of those specific areas, and I think Tanner actually attended other camps. I think he may have attended a, a Minnesota wild rookie camp or development camp or something. Um, but you know, what, when they, when you, when you're unattached, you know, you can sign with whomever you want. And that was, I mean, Tanner was an undrafted player out of junior too. And he was actually cut from that training camp. I just referenced. Um, but I think this like, the first time, this is the first time the Preds have had the Minnesota wild sloppy seconds. Is that what yes, we're saying here? Yes. Thank you, thank you, Minnesota. Um, no, he was actually cut from Moose Jaw's camp that year, but the shortly thereafter, like a couple days later, they changed their mind and, and brought him back. And, and look, his final year there, he was a forty goal scorer. And there, you know, you know, there, there are play, there were well known players, you know, in Moose Jaw's camp um, over the, on their team through those four years, most notably Braden Point, um, but other other players like. Noah Gregor, who's in San Jose's system, and Dryden Hunt, who plays for the Rangers, and um, who else? There's someone else who's escaping. Come on, me. Adam. Why don't you know more players from the Moose Jaw Development Training Camp? <laughs> Come on, dude. But but anyway, I. <laughs> but anyway, um, look, Tanner is a great story. He's yeah. a really nice guy. Yeah. Um, you know, he you know he he was a multi-sport athlete growing up, which you know he was a lifeguard during the summers like that was his summer job but he was like a speed swimmer like that was something that he did like as a young as a youngster he, which i think had played a large role in, in in him being you know having the endurance that he has and um well, well yeah. uh check out the story on the athletic you'll be uh it'll be posted this weekend if you're listening to this on friday it's already up so go check it out um but i think we can all agree that he in fact we'll wrap up this conversation with um would you like to to bring out the the voice to address those fans on the Twitter machine that maybe think protecting Tanner Juneau in the expansion draft was a questionable decision, a la Callie Yarncrook? Tanner Juneau has only played 15 games. Callie Yarncrook is much more versatile, and he's much more experienced, and I can't believe the Predators just let him go. You know the real one is like like Philippe Myers. Why is he being protected? <laughs> although although he played some really critical minutes, which leads us into the injuries that we can talk about here. Alex Carrier, of course, goes out. They have to play with five defensemen on Wednesday. Uh, Nick Cousins is on IR, correct? Philip Forsberg. So yes. you, like, let's start with Forsberg. Any update at all? I know they're super vague and don't tell us anything about injuries. I think no. NHL, I think the NHL could be more like the NFL. If they wanted to actually, um, you know, give their fans information about this stuff, I think it would would be more interesting. But um, Forsberg's sort of just still on the shelf week to week. Nick Cousins, um, what do we make of that injury, and and what is the prognosis there, as, as best you can tell? I honestly have no idea. Like I don't remember. I, I don't remember how he got injured. Like I don't like unless I'm missing something so clear. But like it was clear what when Forsberg got hurt when he ran into right, him. right, right. But like I can't remember. Um, I can't remember, um, when Nick got hurt, like the, the play itself. What, what do you think is more dumb? 
when it's obvious when a player gets hurt and we can all see it and sort of know what type of the body it is, or at least around the part of the body and that we know it's an issue. And then we watch them leave and they still say nothing about it. Or when you don't ever notice or see anything that happens at all. And then the player shows up injured for a couple of weeks, which one is dumber? Which one is dumber? Not telling us the information as a policy in the NHL. I'm not talking about the Preds necessarily, but just in the NHL, not having an official injury policy the way the NFL does. Yeah, I mean, and that was the whole thing, right? Like hockey was going to do, was going to be about, let me start that again. Hockey was going to lean towards or should lean towards the NFL model because a lot of people are betting on hockey now, but you know. I, listen, I think I think it's actually dumber when we all see it. Like someone takes a puck and in Carrier's case in a very strange place, but someone takes a puck in um, the, the, the forearm, right? Right underneath where the glove and the, and the elbow pad doesn't cover that one little area, like on the wrist. And you can see him shaking their wrist and they walk out and they go onto IR and they're like, oh, it's an upper body injury. Like, well, like, like I think it's so, I just think it's so dumb. I a mean, couple of years ago, a couple of years ago in the season opener for the Predators, they played the Blackhawks. I can't remember which season it was. Anthony Batetto made the stupid decision to get in the fight with Jordan Tutu. Yeah, like, yeah. don't do, don't do that. Don't fight Jordan Tutu. I know Jordan Tutu at that point of his career was very much on his way out, but you don't forget how to beat the crap out of somebody. Um, and, and as you might imagine, Tony Batetto ended up on the wrong end of, of a Jordan Tutu beatdown, and he was out for like several weeks. And, and but it was uh, but it was either upper body, it was upper body, lower body. I don't remember. He comes back in a game against Colorado in Denver and he's in front of the net. And, and I think one of the avalanche players shot the puck. It hit Tony in the hand. Um, and, you know, the, they scored on the play. He leaves the game the next day. He's out for six weeks with a broken hand. It's like, OK, was it just because it was so obvious that the puck hit him in the hand that you're telling us that it's a broken hand or broken finger or whatever it is? And you weren't going to tell us what it was the first time? Like it just. The only time it seems the only time it seems like they do that is when they know it's like a four to six week thing or a yeah too much you know hey torn ACL gonna be out the rest of the season like then then they'll tell us but it just it just feels so dumb to to keep this stuff from people but I I don't I don't know what competitive advantage that that it gains uh, listen obviously you want to see him back Carrier this is a guy that I thought was almost every shift doing something really well I'm a big fan you guys if you listen to the show you know how much I like his game. Um, constantly tying up sticks in the slot, constantly making the right play, being in the right place, uh, brings a little bit on the offensive side as well, uh, playing big top four minutes. Like uh, this is a, this one's critical here. And we need to see guys like Myers, Benning, Fabro, they need to step into a much bigger role. I, I don't know which, you know, and obviously sort of a freak, freakish type of injury for Carrier. So I know it was scary. That's for sure. I mean, he took a puck to the neck. Like yeah, <laughs> it doesn't matter who's shooting it, but. You know, it's gonna it's gonna hurt. So again, like we know what happened. <laughs> they could just tell us, like, hey, it's gonna be three weeks, we think, and then everyone knows that that's just a guess, right? Like, it, I don't know, it just doesn't have to be this secretive. Um, but but glad to hear that he's okay because there was some some concern about him. That, that's like you take a puck to the Adam's apple on a slap shot. Couldn't that kill you? Well, it wasn't to the Adam's apple. No, it was I, know, like, I, I, I know, I know it wasn't. I'm saying, couldn't that? Isn't that where like the 
like uh, the MMA guys go for the kill there. I mean, they like they're going for the Adam's apple. Like I watch, I watch scripted fighting, not real fighting. Wrestling. Yeah, I know what it is. Yeah, so I'm not, I'm okay. not. Uh, well, no, I just mean like they crush. You could crush. You can get your windpipe crushed, and that'll like kill you. Right. And so terribly scary. Um, glad he's okay, and all the reports are that he's fine. But again, just tell us, like, hey sore neck for a couple of weeks he might be out for a couple of games or or whatever i don't know it just doesn't feel like it's these aren't the, these aren't the launch the nuclear launch codes that they're hiding you know what i mean <laughs> well you know i think you know some coaches are a lot more uh guarded <clears throat> peter laviolette than other than others when it comes to um injuries so all right. Well, there you go. Uh, we have very little to offer by way of injury update for everybody, but uh, okay. but we know that some of the, some of these defense pieces are going to have to step into larger roles. Hopefully, not Ben Harper. Uh, all right, Chicago, <laughs> Chicago uh, Blackhawks fired their coach. There's some other stuff around the NHL. What you got for the good people around the league, my friend? Well, as 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 people know by now, uh, the Blackhawks uh, mercifully fired Jeremy Colleton. Um, as their head coach, as my colleague Mark Lazarus wrote after that, he was he never stood a chance um, because of the position he was put in, the, the coach he replaced, uh, the moves that, you know, the old guard in the front office were making, whether they couldn't decide whether they were rebuilding or not. Um, you know, he never really had a full season because he came in midseason. Then there was the COVID year. Then there was a shortened season. And then he got fired midseason. Um, Derek King uh, is the interim coach. Uh, he earned his first career NHL win against the Predators on Sunday. Um, and let's see. Uh, what else? Uh, the Anaheim Ducks GM, Bob Murray, uh, resigned on Wednesday. Um, you know, I believe, you know, it sounds like the, the Blackhawks investigation, if something positive came out of it, um, it appears that it empowered people who work for the Anaheim Ducks organization to use the NHL hotline to report uh, misbehavior uh, by Bob Murray. Um, not only is he, not only did he resign, he's entering an alcohol abuse, an alcohol abuse treatment program. Um, so Bob Murray, what I believe was the third longest tenured GM in the league. He, he took over that job in 2008. Uh, so that uh, that's interesting. Um, we touched on the Jack Eichel trade. I think the last time we spoke, um, he arrived uh, in Las Vegas to much fanfare, showgirls, and, and a march in a drum line and everything, <laughs> just like Mark Stone did uh, when he was traded um, to the uh, Vegas, Vegas baby. Vegas, yeah, they they do it right there. Um, if you're if you're a Vegas Golden Knights player and you don't get that treatment, then you obviously know where you stand in the in the pecking order. <laughs> um, I, I I got the I got the Tuesday night showgirls, not the Friday night showgirls. Come yeah, on. you don't want the Tuesday. You, you don't want the you don't want the Tuesday afternoon exotic <laughs> dancers. You want the Saturday night exotic. Yeah, dancers. Exactly. Exactly. Um, oh, yeah. Let's see. I, what I will say, I will uh, say, Carrie Price. Carrie Price, um, who had entered the NHL PA player assistance program, which we talked about last week in relation to Connor Ingram, um, admitted that he had been dealing with some substance abuse issues in relation to his mental health. Um, he's out of the program, uh, not back on the ice yet. Um, but I, I suggest my, uh, the, our listeners read my colleague Arpan Basu's column about Carey Price, because look, if there is a, if there is a fishbowl, it is the Montreal market. Yeah. And yeah. there is, and then if you're the starting goaltender of the Montreal Canadians who makes a shitload of money, 
you know, you're under a lot of pressure. Yeah. Um, so, you know, good on Carey Price for doing what he needed to do for himself and his family and for sharing his story. Um, you know, hopefully he'll be back soon. Um, I, I think those are the main the main topics yeah. in the league right yeah. about now. Pay, pay for good journalism and let's continue to push the league forward because it does feel like there's some momentum right now over the last few years. At, at sort of like, again, Gary Bettman's not going to do it, but there does feel like there's some momentum in this league about how we treat the junior level players, how we're treating people in the front office, how the coaches are, are acting towards each other, our sort of viewpoint on mental health and substance abuse. I think it's all evolving in the right direction. And there feels like there's some momentum in the, in the, in the entire league as a, as a sport. And I think they're just, you know, I'm glad that people are feeling strong enough and, and comfortable enough to sort of continue pushing the boulder uh, down the hill. Cause it does feel like there's a little momentum to, to making the game better. Uh, for all for all parties involved. So uh, go to The Athletic, pay for good journalism, of course. Adam, where can people find you? On Twitter, at Adam Vingan. On Instagram, also at Adam Vingan. Just pictures of my beautiful son. Um, and uh, you can check out my OnlyFans page. Just kidding, I don't have an OnlyFans page. Wow. Wow. Uh, fleshbomb.com. Uh, all right, so... Uh, what what is a flesh bomb exactly? Wait, no, I'm, I'm not even kidding. That is a actual. I know, but what is it like? What is it described? It, it's a, it is an actual term that a football recruiting person used when I worked at Rivals.com to describe a high, a high school prospect. A flesh. Bomb. But what does that mean, though? Like someone who's but really probably fit? no. He's like a missile. Like he's like a missile. Like he's a he's a human missile who comes off the edge and destroys people, or a safety that just decapitates people, or. You know, again, I would describe Tanner Janot a little bit like a flesh bomb. <laughs> like he flies into the zone and he just crushes people. Um, but again, the the language and the words that 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 grown like fifty year old men use to describe seventeen year old uh, football recruits is, is sometimes uh, quite ridiculous. So uh, that's all I'll say. I, I did not enjoy my time working in the recruiting industry. It is a very very weird business to work in. Anyway. Uh, go, go go to The Athletic, pay for good journalism. You can follow me at Braden Gall. And, of course, the Gold Standard brought to you by Jaspers. Where, um, they, where they play Christmas music at the exact right time, Black Friday after Thanksgiving. Great drink specials, free parking, Gold Standard cocktail. You got $3 beers and $10 burgers for Preds games home and away. Uh, and the Christmas music will start on Black Friday. So go hang out at Jasper's. Adam, always a pleasure. My name's Braden Gall. Thank you guys all for listening. Please share the product, share the show. Tell everybody about the best Preds podcast on the planet. The gold standard right here on the 440 Sports Network. <laughs>